Good morning. It's still it's weird saying morning now and it being true because this used to be the 12 o'clock service. Um, uh, good morning. We're just scraping in at the end here. Um, uh, our, I think our attendance today is affected a little bit by the marathon. I personally was really gutted when I found out that I was preaching on the day the marathon was on because obviously the marathon was something I had aimed to do. Um, but um, <laughs> you shouldn't laugh that much. Like we're friends. That shouldn't be as funny as it is. Um, uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to not even to just. Oh, you're in the. No, I'm preaching that Sunday. I can't do it. Um, so we're continuing our series on the coming kingdom, um, which uh, in the book in the Gospel of Mark. And today we're in Mark chapter 10. And this series has been, um, has been wonderful. We're moving towards, as we come towards the end of November, we're going to move towards Advent. And we're going to look at this idea of the promised king. Um, and so the coming kingdom moves into the promised king as we look towards Christmas and the promises um, that were made in the Old Testament about, the, about what God was going to do in the world in order to redeem the world and gather all people to him and what that means for how we're going to live together and as individuals. And the, there's a profundity to what we're being invited to in this kingdom that I think we can, that can often be lost on us, or at least can be often on me, because we can have a tendency to skim through these different passages and miss what we can learn about how we're called to live because, of, um, because there are other things within the passage that aren't as possible for us. So let's look at Mark chapter 10 and we'll, um, um, you'll see a little bit of what I mean. So this is the healing of blind Bartimaeus from Mark 10, 46 to 52. They came to Jericho and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a, a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see you again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Because we, preach, we try to preach in our series through the lectionary, sometimes you're confronted with these different passages um, that you wouldn't necessarily have picked for yourself to preach on. And so you're given these verses and you're like, well, what do I do with this? Because there are parts of the story that are just at least according to my experience so far, outside of my abilities. What's the teaching application when Jesus does the miraculous and what is at least to me at this point in my time in my life, impossible to transform to somebody's life? What are we supposed to learn? And so I think we can have this tendency to skim past these encounters and to say that since I can't invite the blind to see or see again, or I haven't been able to yet, there is very little for me to apply here. But if we skim through, we miss something beyond the miraculous, or perhaps a different type of miraculous. We miss out on what Jesus teaches us about what it means to be human, and what it means to love others as people who are made in God's image. This is what it means, I think, for God's kingdom to come into the world, for us to be his body, not just his hands and his feet, but also, as we shall see, his ears and his eyes. So, this is the story, Jesus is on the road, and he's surrounded by people who are making demands of him. 
And over the, do- the noise, the racket, the din, Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who are surrounding Jesus, demanding his attention, they turn and sternly order him to be quiet. And I think that the, the shape of what's happening on the road says something about the society in which they live. Jesus, the miracle worker, the Messiah, the one who is the, the promised king, is surrounded by people who are able to move and able to move with Jesus. They can move from city to city. They don't need to be at the beck and call of whoever their master is. They have the financial opportunity to be able to move as Jesus moves. And on the periphery, in the distance, unseeing, is Bartimaeus, who doesn't have the same ability. Every society has a hierarchy where those at the top get access to God or to Jesus, and the ability to tell those at the bottom to shut up, to move back, to be quiet. Every society has a hierarchy upon which it functions that draws some people in close and keeps other people at a distance. And the more that I've listened to different writers writing about this and, 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 and different prophetic voices speaking about this, the more, I've been, um, the more I begin to see this constantly showing up in the text in terms of the things that Jesus see, seeks to break down in the kingdom of God. In our world today, we live with certain hierarchies that, certain people get, that mean certain people get closer to the center that certain people have more power, that certain people have more privilege, opportunity, that they're given the benefit of the doubt where others aren't, and those things are based on a variety of things. Those things are based on gender. Those things are based on race. Those things are based on sexuality. They're also based on things like beauty and attractiveness and fame and whether or not you have a brand that people buy into and whether or not you're able to influence the world in which you live, whether or not you are um, able-bodied or have a disability. And the powerful get to act as doorkeepers because their world tells them that they are more deserving of God's attention than anyone else. And so they can follow Jesus down the road. And as the blind man who is, so, who is sitting hoping to live off the generosity of others, who cannot work for a living, who is poor as a result of his disability and trapped in this one space, the powerful get to turn away from Jesus, turn their backs on Jesus to tell him to be quiet because they're the ones who are deserving of God's attention. But he will not be silenced. And he cries out even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Mark, the way he writes it, he says, Jesus stood still. The image that you have in your head is like this community moving forward, the the privileged and the powerful who orbit Jesus as if um, like moons around a planet are moving away, but suddenly the planet comes to a full stop and draws this other into its orbit. He stopped moving away from the city and away from Bartimaeus, and instead he invites Bartimaeus to draw close, and he asks him a question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Bartimaeus' needs are pretty obvious. He's sitting begging at the edge of the city. He's shouting at the crowd. You can kind of imagine this moment where you know, they say to him, take heart, he's heard you. And they, they drag the blind man forward, and he comes forward to ask his request of the Messiah and does so facing Peter because he's blind. 
You can just imagine the lads being like Jesus asking the question, what do you want me for, to do for you? And the disciples being like, Jesus, he's blind. It's obvious what he wants you to do for him. But there's something that's so beautiful about this moment that we actually, I think, often miss. When we're actually struck with these situations where we come into contact with somebody who's hurting or struggling or ostracized or isolated or pushed out to a distance and we have the opportunity to fix what we consider to be their problem, this is where the utilitarian part of our brain starts to kick in. It's the part of our brain that sees the world like a, a conveyor belt with a productivity problem instead of seeing this messy and hurting world for what it is as something that God loves and is redeeming. When we look at the world like that, we see problems to be solved rather than people to be served. And it can be so easy to slip into problem-solving mode. Identify the problem, develop a solution, make the solution available at a uh, reasonable cost, and then move on to the next problem. But when Jesus asks Bartimaeus what he wants, he gives him a different gift. He gives him the gift of his time and his presence. He's giving him the chance to speak and to be heard, to give voice to his dreams, his hopes, and his desire, desires. The thing that I felt most clearly rise within me as I was, as I was preparing for this um, talk, I guess <laughs> I'm always uncomfortable with language like, this is, you know, this is what the Lord told me, because I'm always afraid that I can get that wrong. I'm a, a person with the ability to get that wrong. And yet there was this, these two lines that's, that, that I feel um, that I feel almost like God whispering to me in this about how we understand this passage and what it means for the kingdom of God. And that's this, when Jesus makes Bartimaeus see, he restores his sight. But when Jesus makes Bartimaeus seen, he restores his humanity. When Jesus makes Bartimaeus see, he restores his sight. But when Jesus makes Bartimaeus seen, he restores his humanity. And this is why being Jesus' body means being so much more than his hands and feet. It means being the eyes with which he sees the world, with which he sees the poor, the downtrodden, the excluded, and the oppressed. And it means being the ears that hear their cries and their stories and their longings. And it means that as much as we may be tempted to skip over this story because we may not be able to bring back sight, I may not be able to make you see, but I can choose to make you seen. Before I give you the gift of my service, I offer you the gift of my presence. Because the gift of being heard is as important as the gift of being served. This for me is the crux of what it means for us to live in this kingdom, to know and be known, to invite people to be more than problems to me more than bums on seats or names in a newsletter, to invite them to know and to be known. It's no wonder then that having been healed and been heard, Bartimaeus then follows Jesus away from Jericho. But take that on. How many stories do we read where Jesus heals somebody who's an unnamed person? 
And then Jesus healed this person, a person with this disease, a person who is in this role, who was a servant in this house. But all these people, they don't have names. Why is Bartimaeus named? Well, it's because it's like if, you're telling, if I'm telling a story about my dad, and I, or I'm, I'm telling a story about somebody that we, we both know, I don't need to use their title if you already know their name. And so I wonder if actually the reason Bartimaeus is included by name is because Mark actually knew him. Because he was known to the early Christians. That he, that, that he is named instead of others because this journey that begins on a roadside with somebody who used to have sight and lost it but regains it. He gets up and he follows Jesus away from Jericho and he continues to follow him on his journey towards Jerusalem. Because to be heard and then to be healed invites you into a kind of community where you are known and where you are loved and that you want to give your entire life to. That's what the kingdom is, not people who are problems to be solved, and the kingdom is not a product to be sold. It's an invitation to transformation, to know and to be known, to be seen and to be heard. Because it's when we look into each other's eyes that we get the sense of the story and the journey behind those eyes. The pain and the beauty and the potential, the, the highs and the lows. To look into each other's eyes, to see each other, is to know each other. And in our seeing of each other, even that process is a kind of healing. I see you. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm constantly blown away by reading 2,000-year-old stories that have an emotional wisdom and richness that knock me off my feet and that remind me of the things that I so often miss when I skim over these stories. Help us to realize that we are seen and that we are heard, that we are known and loved by you. And give us the ability, the love, the courage, the openness, the authenticity and the vulnerability to truly look at each other, to see each other and be seen by each other. that we might be a community where we are not just your hands and feet, but also your eyes and ears in your name.